In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lord Jesus once said, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life. It is they that bear witness of me. Over the course of these past 40 days, especially here in our midweek services, we've had opportunity to see just how true our Lord's words are. We began some weeks ago with Moses throwing a tree into the bitter waters, turning them sweet, and saving the people from death. And there we saw an image of how the tree of the cross in the waters of holy baptism changed those waters into a lavish washing away of sin, thus saving us from death. Then a week later, we saw how the people were at Rephidim, and they thirsted again there, and they quarreled with Moses and with God. We saw how God told Moses to strike not the people as they deserved, but rather the rock. And water flowed from that rock and gave the people undeserved life. St. Paul tells us that that rock was Christ. And so we see an image of our Lord Jesus who is struck in our place for us. And from his side flows water and blood, a holy baptism that gives us undeserved life. Next, we saw how God cleansed the people by the sacrifice of the red heifer and the mingling of its ashes with the water. With the church fathers, we see in this an image of Christ being sacrificed for all the uncleanness of the world and adding his sacrifice to the waters of holy baptism so that all who are defiled might be cleansed by him. And after this, just last week, we heard of the little girl who had been stolen from her family. And we heard of her profound love for her enemies, how she directed her captors to Elisha that Naaman might be healed of his leprosy. Elisha told him to wash in the Jordan seven times. And so, by water and word, Naaman was cleansed, foreshadowing how by water and word the leprosy of our sins will be washed away in holy baptism, and we will emerge as children of God. Tonight we hear of yet another miraculous event involving water, how Elisha caused an axe head to float. I hope at this point I don't really need to state the obvious, but I'm going to just in case. This is much more than an account of God's kindness to this one single man. It's much more than an account of God's powerful working through this one single prophet, all of which happened some 2,900 years ago. We search the scriptures because, as our Lord says, they bear witness to him. Let's get into the events themselves. We first hear of the sons of the prophets. Scholars debate whether this represents some sort of formal school or guild. 
For our purposes, let's just say that these men are attending seminary under Elisha. And Elisha is so successful that the seminary's numbers have swelled to the point of needing a bigger dorm. So they went down to the forest near the Jordan River in order to gather lumber for the project. And while one of them was chopping away, his axe head came loose, flew off its handle, and went straight into the river. Well, big deal, right? Just go down to Home Depot and get another one. At that time, an iron axe head was extremely valuable and largely difficult to come by. In fact, at various times in Israel's history, the people had to reach out to their pagan neighbors who knew how to fabricate the tools they needed. What made this circumstance all the worse was that the axe head was borrowed. And while we lacked the specifics, being a son of a prophet was probably every bit as lucrative as being a seminarian. Imagine if a seminarian had rented a car, waived the insurance, and somehow drove it into a lake. The takeaway is that when Elisha worked this miracle and caused the axe head to float, he was saving the man from enormous debt, from likely servitude. And that's as good a point as any to see how Elisha is here a type and foreshadowing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who saves each one of us individually from our great debts and from servitude, from which, strictly speaking, if God were only just and nothing else, we would never be freed. And of course, what of all things do we find Elisha using in his miracle? What indeed, but would? wood and water yet again. He cut off a stick and threw it into the river, and that made the iron axe head float. Once more, we see that wood plus water equals miracle, and we see a foreshadowing of how the wood of the cross plus the water of holy baptism will equal the miracle of raising us from the depths, the depths of our sins. Indeed, this is precisely how the second century church father, Justin Martyr, understood this text. To paraphrase Justin, Elisha threw a piece of wood into the Jordan and retrieved the iron of the axe. So our Christ, by his crucifixion on the wood and baptism in the water, has ransomed us from the weight of our sins. From depths of woe, I cry to thee. So we just sang Luther's words. From depths of woe, I cry to thee. In trial and tribulation, bend down thy gracious ear to me. Lord, hear my supplication. If thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win or stand before thy presence? With that imagery from depths of woe, we see ourselves as the axe head sunk all the way in the deep. And just as the axe head was sunk into the depths, we confess and pray with the psalmist, my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. 
painful, painful truth that God gives us many years to learn and experience firsthand. Just as it is the very nature of iron to sink until it cannot sink any further, such is our fallen nature. If left unchecked, our sinful characteristics will over time harden like rocks. Our vices over time will grow denser and heavier. We will be drugged down to new depths until finally we are buried in the mire and beyond the help of any to save. And so we are by nature. We have no more hope of saving ourselves than an axe head trying to float itself back up to the top. The Lenten journey that we've been on for these past 40 days has been very good at teaching us how hard it is to be good. We struggle to fast, to pray, and to give alms. And insofar as we do, we do so in great weakness. How far we are from keeping the glorious law of God. Even though God has indeed given us a new nature in holy baptism, with a new will and new desires, we nonetheless find that we cannot keep ourselves from sinking, from sinning, from dying. If we have any hope of being raised from the depths of woe, God himself must do it. Though great our sins, yet greater still is God's abundant favor. We sang those words with Luther just a few moments ago as well. Though great our sins, yet greater still is God's abundant favor. His hand of mercy never will abandon us nor waver. Our shepherd, good and true, is he who will at last his Israel free from all their sin and sorrow. Jesus will, at last, set us free. He will, at last, raise us from the depths. As Elisha set the axe head free from its own nature and caused it to rise up from the depths, so shall our Christ do for us. He will raise us out of this worldly life and out of our sinful nature. Indeed, he will even raise our bodies out of the grave so that from the darkness of this abyss we will float up into the light of an endless day. To paraphrase the third century theologian Didymus the Blind, by the iron fallen into the dark abyss is prefigured the power of human nature deprived of light, by the wood taken and thrown into the abyss is symbolized the glorious cross and our Lord entering the abyss himself and rising from it. The iron which floated on the waters and came back to him who lost it signifies that we come by wood of cross and water of baptism to heavenly light, to our rightful place and true home 
once more. From the very beginning of the scriptures and of time itself, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. We see the waters of the flood bring forth a new humanity. The waters of the Red Sea bring forth a new Israel. We see the bitter water turn sweet that saves the people from death. We see the waters that flow from the rock that was struck, giving the people undeserved life. We see the waters mixed with the ash of the heifer, cleansing the people from all defilement. We see the waters of the Jordan cleanse a man of his leprosy and bring him to true faith. We see the waters of the river, when touched by the wood, cause what is lost to be found. My friends, this whole sermon series has been fun least for me. But it isn't even the full biblical account of all the ways that God uses water to create, to save, and to restore. How could anyone ever think that Christian baptism isn't the climax and fullness of all these things? God saves through water. The cross in the water. The Word in the water. As St. Peter and St. Paul both teach, baptism now saves. You have been baptized by Christ into Christ that you might die with him and be raised with him. Let us not be ashamed to join him in his suffering, for we shall soon join him in his glory this earthly life is, in fact, Good Friday, but everlasting Easter is soon to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.